We're going to record for a lot of Chavrul couldn't make it, so we're going to put that up. But uh, the, I actually, I was, I was sitting with the 17th volume, the, the, the Hespedim and Rav Kook for last, yeah. uh, the last, that's uh, the last couple of days. That was, uh, it was also fantastic, fantastic. Um, yeah, the writing so, of uh, is, is remarkable. It's like the, the Gavura of Rav Kook. The, the, uh, what do you, say again, Shmuel? I'm saying it's, it's the, it's the Amkus of Rav Kook with the, with the idea of Kabbalah, but without the hard language of Rav Kook. That's the, yeah, he had, I mean, Rav Chalap had an Indian with the Leshem because of how the Leshem spoke about the Ramchal. But Rav Chalap was a student of, of, of the Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva Char Shemayim, Rav something Horowitz, way before he met the Rav. Is it Yitzchak? Um, Shimon Harwitz. Shimon Harwitz. So the old Yeshuv of really like the Yerushalmi Mekubalim. Well, Shara Shemaim, that's the real Mekub. Yeah, that, 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 yeah that's, that's what the... Rav Shlomo Zaman's father started with, uh, I forget Rav, who. Rav, Rav Shimon Harwitz. They had Rav a dream. Shimon they Harwitz. met each other in the, in the, they had a dream. They met each other in the street. Right, on the street. In the middle of the night. Very Osek in the, in the uh, Lost Tribes. Who? Rav Shimon Harwitz. This, uh, the Korosh Yeshiva of Shara Shemayim originally. So it wasn't started by Sephardim? I always thought it was started no, by No, this was the... Uh, Rav Be- father had a dream to have an Ashkenazi Yeshiva. No, that was a Beit El. Uh, Beit El was uh, like the Rashash. Uh, or that door. <laughs> a door in the old city. Yeah, Beit El. Hi, Dad. Okay, there we go. Baruch Hashem, the is coming in. Um, is coming in. It's uh, Valtic to get people together. Ruben, Shmuel, how are you? Hey, how are we doing? How are you? Mayor, Mr. Rosenfeld, I never know to call my friends fathers. The mayor's good. Okay, Ruben, Tiskalamitsus is a beautiful undertaking. My my pleasure, my pleasure. I'm so I'm so excited that it worked. I've been uh, jumping up and down. Hey, David and Feige. Hey, guys. I've been, I've been jumping up and down all uh, all week that uh, yeah, that that it's bad that it happens, you know. Oh, I'm so exciting. Um, I'm telling you, we've been telling everybody about it. It's just you know that that we were able to do it and all together to do this is is just really fantastic and big schuss. Okay, get that up. Give it like maybe one more, two more minutes, and then we'll start. Uh, we'll start rolling. Uh, that's what I was going to tell you. Wow. Okay, it looks like uh, the the end, the people coming in uh, to the floor stop for now, so we're gonna we're going to start rolling. Okay. So Chavra, I'd like to welcome you to this very special night. We are, uh, we are just putting up over here. I'll push the wrong button again. I'm sorry. As my uh, my children would say, hashtag boomer. Um, there we hashtag go. what? Boomer. That means that I'm, uh, every time I, I have a problem with the uh, with the computer, refer to my make a joke about my age. Until I, I start referring to the you know, the 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 apps as with the, the definite article like the Zoom and the WhatsApp. 
Okay. Here we go. So, so, so Tani asked that we mentioned that uh, besides, of course, the, the, this Fabrengen should be the Ilu Nishmas or Avram Yitzchak and Rizal Mizalman, it also should be the Ilu Nishmas Tani's Zeta, as I recall. Time to move in then Leibig Zalman. Neshamos the Hobbit and Alir to be a good habit for against Kal Yisrael. And uh, yeah, okay, so it's really, really great Let's, uh, to have everybody here. About ready to get started. Um, so it's great to, to see all your all your faces over here to, to get together in honor of the Kangadal. Zecha should be a schus for all of Kal Yisrael, the Kangadal of Cook. We got together with Joey Rosenfeld, Shmuel Braun, myself will be sharing some tyrus, and uh, and Tani Polanski will be sharing from from the, the writings of the heart. Um, we have a, a number of Rav Cook's uh, Rav Cook's teaching set to music, as well. Uh, I'm sure some uh, other nigunim of Tani's choosing, and it's really it looks forward to be a really 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 great night. The format's going to be as follows: that we have over here powerpoints. The PowerPoint will have the teachings that we are we're going to learn, and each speaker will then will be highlighted on your screen. At any point, you can uh, message me your questions, and after each Torah, we will. After each Torah, for one of our presenters will present the Torah. The other two will you know, riff a little bit if there, anything comes to mind. No pressure, and then if anyone has any questions, they should uh, message me on the chat, and I'll read the questions or respond followed by a, a Nigun from Tani, and then on to the next presenter. I'm sorry that it, it sounds so uh, so yakish over there, but uh, but I figured this would, this would be a good way to make sure that, uh, you know, we get everything done that we want to get done, because there's a lot to do, and that, uh, you know, the current light should shine into our worlds, and then his potent, potent teachings make an impression in our lives, you know, to, to, to bring the goal that much closer. So... Let us uh, let us begin. We're going to begin right now. Uh, Wait, Ruben, can I have a request? Please. I, I know Joey's going to start, but but could we maybe start with a niggin maybe because it's a fabrengin and like, to get us into the into if Joey is ma, if Michael, then we could have a niggin as a machana. Sure. for such a thing. Sure, absolutely. But um, do we have a specific niggin that we want or? So then, so maybe, so maybe we can, uh, Tani, so uh, do, do we want to start with the Rav Kook Nigun then? Or, oh, uh, sh uh, sure. Right. Let's start, let's start with Ben Adam. I think it's let's like, start. that's an essential Nigun to get started with. I believe, I believe you're correct and very representative of, uh, very representative of, uh, of what we're doing over here. So, uh, Everybody, as I was like, Michael, I'm going to, uh, to call I'm going to just move us to the PowerPoint. Um, and, uh... Oh, you just passed it. Yeah, shkoyach, shkoyach, good eyes. Good eyes. Okay, so then, Tani, please. Here we please, go. Uh, take it away. You see this slide in Tani right now, right? Just making sure. I see the slide in the video, but that's great. Cool. I am 
Okay, so first off, Rav Rubain, uh, thank you for setting this up. Mamish, you know, building the kalim for this. And Rav Shmuel, it's uh, always a schluss to bring together. And Tani, thank you for um, starting off with the uh, osios de libo, with the letters of the heart. Um, you know, when it comes to... Uh, Rav Rubain, do you want me to, to wait for a second for the screen? Okay, so I'll continue. So when it comes to talking about Rav Kook, just to be mocked him a little bit, you know, in the story of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, of Rashbi, when he comes out of the Ma'ara after 13 years, and he comes out, and the first question he asks is, what can I fix here? I mean, the natural inclination, just like we learned from Yaakov Avinu, that when he overcame the Saroshal Eistav, the first thing he did was he was Metaken Matbeot, he fixed coins, he established the currency. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, as the archetypal tzaddik, the first question to ask is, what needs fixing here? What, what needs to be fixed? And the Chevra and the Gemara and Daflam and Gimel and Shabbos, they say, oh, so there's a, there's a cemetery, or it's a doubtful cemetery. We're not quite sure whether there's death there or whether there's no death there. And for a long time, the Kohanim have had a hard time, you know, walking there because of Safek Tumah. So Rashbi comes along and Rashbi says, it's Tahor, it's Tahor. And then at the end of the Gemara, you know, that Osa Zakin, that person who had belittled Rashbi in the beginning, says, look, Bar Yochai came and was Metaher Beis He came almost 
in a negative language, kind of belittling Rashbi, saying in a euphemism, look at this person who thinks he could come along and purify the impurity of death, almost as if to say, who does this person think he is? And Rashbi looks at him and he says, are you still here? And Another neshama who's deeply connected to the neshama of Rav Kook. Our Rebbe, Rav Moshe Weinberger, wrote a beautiful article, I think, called The, uh, the Two Kohanim Gedolim. I think Rav Hadari, also wrote an essay comparing the thought of Rav Tzadok HaKon Meleblin and Rav Kook. Uh, there's an entire sefer in about the Sangoria of Klal Yisrael, about judging the Jewish people favorably, comparing the writings of Rav Tzadok and Rav Kook. Rav Tzadok writes that if you want to understand the true spiritual potency of an individual, look at the place that the world laughs at. Look at the place where that person is belittled. Look at that place where the person is ridiculed. And so according to this Gemara, if Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is being ridiculed for purifying death, almost as if to say, who, how dare this person come along and purify death? According to the Svarah of Rav Tzadok, that would be the very point, the very site of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's Koach. The ability to elevate this world from the impurity of death which is not simply death, but the sting that is applied to every element of our experience. The kayach of the tzaddikim is to come and to be metahir that, even when we're not sure. So when it comes to the kayin gadol, when it comes to Rav Avram Yitzchak, a kohen cook, you know, the Talmidim in Eretz Yisrael say that it's not by chance that the Roshe Tevos or Rav Avram Yitzchak, a kohen cook, are the ra'aya or ri'iya, a way of looking at the world. One of the elements of cook wanted to do was purify the world from the sting of death to elevate us, like the Kohen Gadol, who it's not that the Kohen is not allowed to encounter death, it's that the Kohen Gadol needs to live on such a lofty plane that they can't even gaze at death. And that's why they have to be careful and they're susceptible to the impurity of death, because the job of the Kohen Gadol is to ignore death, is to see how things are perpetually elevating, perpetually moving forward, in spite of all appearances which seem to speak the opposite. So when it comes to celebrating the neshama of Rav Kook, learning the Torah of Rav Kook, and really offering a, a shemetz of gratitude to what the neshama of Rav Kook has done for our generation, for the world, for ourselves, for myself. You know, the vision has to be that whatever looks broken in the writings of Rav Kook is ultimately part of a process of fixing. So to begin, anybody who's listened to any of my teachings before in any kind of framework, Something that I love in Sadiqim is the tzaddik's ability to focus on what is apparently negative and to show how within the negativity, within the brokenness, within the gavuros, within the severity, that there lies an unrevealed potency of spiritual growth. And that's very hard when it comes to the writings of Rav Kook because there's very little negativity in the writings of Rav Kook. There's personal experiences where he's incredibly expressive, as I think we're going to hear from Rav Shmuel, and from Ruven as well. But in the framework of how Rav Kook looks at Kabbalah and the worlds and the framework of the world, it's very difficult to find where that angst is, where that brokenness is, to the point that, you know, the whiteness of Rav Kook's Svarim exemplified this kind of purified vision of the world, which almost seems to impinge upon the very necessary reality that spirituality is not meant to be simple and easy. So when a person learns the writings of Rav Kook enough, sometimes you're left questioning, okay, so where's the darkness here? 
And, and one gets the feeling that Rav Kook literally did not live with an awareness of darkness, which on a small level would be a difficult thing to claim about a tzaddik, the likes of Rav Kook, because the Iker, like Rabbi Nachman says, of a tzaddik is to be above and below at once. It's not such a chiddish for a tzaddik to be above. A tzaddik has to be below as well. So the question is, where is that brokenness within the writings of Rav Kook? A brokenness that obviously gives birth to more intensity and more potency. So there's a ketta that I want to discuss tonight called Nishmasi Karua. And I just want to give a little bit of a context because this is not a teaching that is found in the typical writings of Rav Kook. This is Mipiha Shmua. It is recorded both in the Sefer Chadarav, but in a truncated fashion. When Rav Kook came to Yafo, where he had his first job as a Rebbe, as a rabbi, as the rabbi of the town, the chief rabbi of Yafo, everything shifted. Rav Kook's started speaking in a very different way once he arrived in Eretz Yisrael. And when he came to Yaffa, which was already a hub of Jewish intelligentsia and, and somewhat of an enlightened movement of poets and artists who desired to encounter the spirit of Judaism without the old, crusted shell of what they perceived as the externalities of Judaism, they came and they saw this idealistic Rav come along and start speaking about how the seculars are truly inflamed with a spirit of godliness. They're intoxicated with a spiritual vision that is too lofty for the halacha. And all of these different expressions and romantization of what these poets and artists were doing. And one of the poets and artists who took issue with this was Yosef Brenner, one of the, the foremost literary figures in, in secular, secular and scare quotes in, in Jewish history. And so Rav Kook wrote the Mahalacha Idealut Be Yisrael, the an essay about the transmission of spirituality throughout Jewish history, and how these secularists were really inflamed and intoxicated with the love of God, but they saw the smallness of what certain people did with the Torah, and therefore they wanted something more, almost idealizing and romanticizing their struggle. And Brenner wrote back to Rav Kook, he says, like, B'chvod harav, you've, you've impressed us, but it's simply not true. You're telling us that we're torn at the heart of our soul. You're telling us that on the one hand, we want secularism, but on the other hand, what we're truly yearning for is a spirituality that is transcendent of those vessels. Look at you. Look at you, Maran Harav. You're the one who's torn. You're the one who has these warring ideas in yourself. On the one hand, you're deeply religious. On the other hand, you're the one who wants to find expression that doesn't have a root in the Torah. That was what Brenner responded. And this keta, this statement, is a response that Rav Kook gave to that essay that Brenner wrote in response to what Rav Kook had written. And Rav Kook writes as follows. Misha amar alaiki nishmasi karua. Yafa amar. The one who said that my soul is torn, they spoke correctly. It is most certainly torn. It is impossible, it is unfathomable for us to conceive of an individual a human being whose soul is not torn, whose soul is not split. Only inanimate nature is full without any distinction. Aval ha'adam hu bal she'ifos The individual is comprised of warring 
desires that give birth to tension, that give birth to opposition within the self. And there is a perpetual battle that exists within the spirit of the individual at all times. And the entire work of the individual in this world is to unify the tears that exist within their soul through that general synthetic vision that takes all opposites and unifies them together. That the job of the person is to take those warring factions within the self, whether you want to look at it as the Nefesh HaVahamis and the Nefesh HaLakus, as the Balatanya would say, or Adam 1 and Adam 2, as the Rav, Rav Soloveitchik would say, based on the Tanya, or whatever tzaddik you're looking at, the very fabric of the Jewish soul is that it is torn. And the goal is to unify it with this unified vision that sees all opposition as giving birth to a harmonious vision that is greater than the sum of its parts. The most interesting thing is that this keta, this statement ends. In this Sefer Chadarav, it ends right here. As if Rav Kook is saying that I'm torn, but what I truly desire is a unifying vision. But the added lines here, I believe, are really what give a remarkable power to this statement. And Rav Kook continues and he says, Kamuvan, ein ze ela ideal she'anu sho'afim alav. This concept of a unifying vision that sews together all tornness within the self, all sense of being torn asunder in all of its existential manifestations, as I'm sure Rav Shmuel will have better ways of conveying. It's simply an ideal. It's a realistic ideal. It's an ideal, but don't think for a second that we have access to such an ideal. All we can do is yearn towards this. If you're a human being, you can never fully arrive at that place of synthesis, which gets rid of all tornness. And Rav Kook continues and he says, our job is to move forward closer and closer to that ideal without ever reaching the ideal. And this is what the Kabbalists refer to as Yehudim. I don't want to continue for much longer. I just want to highlight how deeply significant this idea is that the concept of Yehudim the typical way that a person looks at mysticism in general or Kabbalah in general is that it offers one a seamless entryway into heaven so that a person can draw that heaven down into earth and live a life of unity without any disparity, separation, confusion, discomfort, or any of the synonyms that go along with it. What Rav Kook is saying is the opposite. The starting point of the religious experience is one of brokenness. And the end point is the realization that we can never fully reach a point of synthesis, but our job is to move towards that point. There are Yehudim, we try and unify things. And then even after that initial unification, we're forced to realize that even though I've tried to unify things, I'm still torn and I have to unify again. And then I'm still torn. And then I have to unify again and again and again because the ultimate unity is inaccessible. The ultimate unity, as Rav Kook says, 
all over the place without nearly enough time to try and describe is that the ultimate unity is ever present. And I'm, I'm being very precise with my language. It's ever present, but it is not accessible to the intellect. We know it exists, but we can't grasp it. And ultimately the greatest thing that we can do as Jewish people is yearn out of our tornness to taste some sense of unity and then to go again and again and again, ever elevating ourselves, ever moving forward as Tani saying so beautifully, alay, alay, lemala, alay. It's never go above and rest there. It's go above and then go higher and higher and higher and higher. And I believe that when a person is able to hold this in mind when studying the writings of Maran Harav and when studying the writings of any of our tzaddikim, a person begins to see the, the, psycho, the psychotheological value of these ideas, not only in thought, but in everyday life. And I think that that's what Rav Cook wanted to do. He wanted to transform the way we see our lives and the way we look at the world. And Bezra Sashem, we should be Zoha to taste our brokenness and yearn towards unification. And then even when we find unification, to realize that there's much, much more infinite levels to continue growing. Bezra Sashem. Okay. Any of the Roshmul, is there anything you wanted to add? Any thoughts that you wanted to, to add? I mean, when, <clears throat> when I speak, I'll, I'll, uh, I would like to also refer to what Joyce said, but maybe we'll have another nigga now before, before I go on. Sure, absolutely. We, uh, we were already missed out it. Uh, Tani. Hmm? Shema. Sounds good. We're, may, maybe we'll give a, a word of it. Uh, I've done with this nigga for a moment because the, the other might not know if no, they, they know this nigga. Um, the, this nigga, Shan uh, Shema, is a very popular nigun in, in, uh, in the yeshivas in Israel, and it comes from Rav Cook's teaching on the month of, of, of Cheshvan. Rav Cook wrote uh, three teachings per month uh, of all of the months of the Jewish year, trying to explain the explain the, the essence of that uh, of them. And this nigun is a very very popular nigun in Israel, America. We don't know so much, but uh, I figured maybe we'd have a chance to, to popularize it a little bit over here. It's stirring, and uh, the words are. You, I will uh, move us over. The words are, well, what? Shan shamanya, shan shamami ra gam shamayim oter afel mefikim unayim. So roughly, because uh, as we like to say, all of our translations are all, are all b'derech efshar, all b'derech efshar, but for of course, because who can uh, contend with this type of language? But when the soul shines, even the cloudiest skies, are filled with a sublime type of light. Yeah, um, if you would, Tani, take us away. Imagine this is uh, the word for Cheshvan. After the light of Tishrei is faded, how can your cloudy days that it's about to rain in Cheshvan, how do they, you know, how can they shine with light? Tani.
So good, Val, right? It's unbelievable. Next level. I was listening to it all day today to learn it. I just like had it on repeat for like an hour and a half. It was like, and it just the song it doesn't get old. You can listen to it a hundred times, and it's like, it just it's 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 MS, it's MS, and it's just the Negro in itself is just like another world. But it, it just grabs you by the rib cage like a hook and pulls you up. Grabs you by the heart. It reaches underneath. <laughs> Reveal some of that light inside of you. Amen. So, a question came in right before what's it called? Right before, uh, right before we still uh, in the intro to the nigun. So the question was: Is there a goal to reach the next level of more subtle brokenness? What kind of progression elevation is there if the endpoint is to stand infinitely away? You're just as far away as when you started, no matter what level. Do we want to address this, Chavra? Uh, it would take longer than the few minutes. Um, it's an incredible question, and it's a wonderful phrasing of the question, and I think the phrasing of the question contains the answer within it. Um, but I think maybe after Rav Shmuel, uh, I have no doubt that Rav Shmuel will shine light on the hither side of what I was trying to convey, and that tovim hashnayim and ha'echad, and that hopefully answers, questions will fall away, but if not, I'd be happy to try and answer afterwards. It definitely, uh, okay, l'chaim, chev, l'chaim, everyone. It definitely is going to feed into what you said, Joey, because Rav Cook's stuff is all one, so l'chaim. Okay, so um, it's actually not only what Joey said, but the two nigunim that Tani picked so far, I think really, really fits in perfectly to, to what we're going to learn <clears throat> because, um, uh, okay, good. 
because um, I wanted to start, if we look at the nigunim, Tani began with the nigun, the famous nigun, Alei, Alei Lamala, Alei Ben Adam, like the eagle. Kanfei Nesharm, Yeshlecha Kanfei Ruach, you have strong wings like eagles, but they're wings of the spirit. Al Tikacheshbam, Pen Yikachashulach. That's a very important, Ruben, could you go back to that screen for a second? I want everyone to see that screen, the nigun, Pen Yikacheshbam, there. So you see the third line? Don't neglect them, lest they neglect you. The way to tap into these wings of the spirit that Rav Cook is saying we all have is necessary to seek them and not neglect them, lest they neglect you. Meaning, Rav Cook is saying like any muscle, any muscle, how do you build up a muscle? By working with it. If you don't, then the muscle starts, uh, what do you call it, when the muscle uh, atrophy, right? So if Cook is saying, you, we have to know how to not neglect them, but to use these wings of the spirit. Now, then the second nigan that, that Tani said is that, that we just sang now is about when the soul is filled with light. So obviously these two nigunim go together. Because when the soul is filled with light, that's when it gets the wings. To seek those wings, the wings of the spirit, that's how the soul shines. The soul shines when you have those wings. But the question is, okay, those are the two nigunim. But how do you get the soul to shine? And how do you get those wings? So go back to Joey's thing, Ruven, please. If you could go to, to the thing, to the, uh, to the, to Which Joey's. Page? The one where it says, Rayon Klali. So I want to tell everyone, uh, that's one. So I want to tell everyone that what Joey did is phenomenal because I, I knew the beginning of the quote, exactly like he said of Joey, that I didn't know the end of the quote, the Yehudimba, that's phenomenal. We could talk about that all night. And, but, what I want to talk about is that if you look in the words of Rav Kook, okay, we'll speak about the Yehudim later because I do want to talk about that but when we get into the discussion. But in the words over here, what Rav Kook is saying, the only way to unify contradictions within the soul, because again, we all have contradictions in the soul. That's what Joey was saying. We all have that tension. And really, you should know, by the way, that Kierkegaard, if you read you got you wanted existentialism, so here it is, the, the whole concept of anxiety that Kierkegaard has a book called The Concept of Anxiety. And all the psychologists, Rolla May, base their idea of anxiety based on Kierkegaard because anxiety is inherent to the human condition. We are always going to be torn by different things. So what Kierkegaard talks about, despair is just giving in to anxiety and giving up. But what anxiety can be is a growth process. In other words, if you're able to live with that anxiety, we all have anxiety, we all have this, nobody has I mean, I don't, uh, nobody has an easy time. Everyone is having some kind of different partsufim, different wars inside the Milchama Pnimit that Rav Kook is talking about over here. But Rav Kook is saying the way to unify them is the Rayon Klali. That's the words I want you to see over here. That there's a Rayon Klali. All of man's work is to unify the country with it through an encompassing idea, the Rayon Klali. Now that Rayon, what is this encompassing idea that Rav Kook is saying? There's this whole section that, that Joey said is that we all have that tension. And you're not going to get rid until Mashiach comes, probably after Mashiach comes, there'll also be tension. There'll be a different type of tension. There'll be tension like the tzaddikim have, of always having to do more and more. But until Mashiach comes, there's going to be this anxiety. And to not have despair, but like Rolla May and the psychologist said, to utilize the anxiety, to always be feeling. In other words, if one is always just chilled out and never struggling, then one doesn't grow. But Rav Kook is saying, what's the wings? What's the kanfei ruach? How do you get the nishmati mi'ira? What allows the wings and, the, and, the, and that, that light to come? Through the rayon klali, 
a general encompassing idea. Now, what does he mean, this encompassing idea whose grayness brings it to all harmony? So like Joey was, was talking about, it's what all of Chassidus is about and, and Hegel, which is part of why Kierkegaard didn't like it, because, Kierke, because Hegel wants to synthesize the contradictions. In other words, when you have a rayon klali, this is what Taoism is based on as well, a yin and a yang, all oppositions are unified when you have the all. When you have the rayon, Bailey, could you put this air conditioner on, please? When you have the rayon khali, when you have the all that encompasses everything, somehow that is able to put everything into harmony. Now, all of us, if we're talking about Rav Cook, for me at least, I see, you know, like, like, like Ruben and Joy mentioned, all of us got to Rav Cook through our Rebbe, through Rav Weinberger. And, you know, as a Munkacher, you know, Rav Cook was a Zionist. So in the beginning, I, I didn't like, I didn't hop, you know, when I was 15, 16, first thing from Rav Kook. But then when you learn Rav Kook inside and you hop, why, why he was a Zionist? What was he doing, Rav Kook? Why did he make up this religious Zionism? What was he doing? Because Rav Kook wanted the Rayon Klali to harmonize what's actually going on in a person's life. We all need, we all have so many different thousands of things going on in our life. If we don't have one goal, one goal, one thing, one rayon klali that allow us to have wings of the spirit. So Rav Kook saw that in today's generation, here's the problem. Most people don't even know what it says in most of Torah. And so what most people get in religion is what they're seeing from people. And unfortunately, as is the case, naturally, many people that are religious hate them. You know, I'll tell you a quick story. One time, and Simcha's Torah was at a certain Fabrengen, and I wanted to go home. <clears throat> So somebody, and, and, and so somebody yelled at me that, you know, why do you give, why is it that we give makis that we whip somebody that does a sin? Why does the Torah say to whip somebody that does a sin? The answer is because we're jealous. It's, it's a var, right? We're jealous. That's why we whip them. And there are certain people that their religion is practiced that way. They like whipping people that don't keep religion because they're jealous. And Rav Cook saw that. Rav Cook saw that, that there are many people that don't know what Torah says, but they somehow want to bring God into the life that he was saying, and we need that rayon klali. So I actually want to read this poem. So let's start with the poem, Ruben. If you, you have the poem from Rav Cook first. This, so I want to read with you a poem from Rav Cook, and then we'll see the piece from a Pilparcha that I think that's going to explain the poem. But I want to start with, with a poem also. Because what Rav Cook was doing with, with religious Zionism, with being in Yafo and Yerushalayim, and like Joey, you mentioned that he, it's very hard to find where he's like negative. The only thing he's negative about is the old Yishu. I mean, when he's, when he's ranking, even in La Malachi, I just that Joey mentioned the essay, La Malachi Aidiut Bi Israel, which is an essay about Plato's concept of ideas. Rav Kook simply took Plato's concept theory of ideas and brought Yiddishkeit into that and showed that Judaism is a rayon clay, is a general idea of God that we all have to be striving towards. That again, what's the idea of a rayon klali? And I want to make this clear because the Alter Rebbe in Tanya chapter 20, 21 does the same thing. The rayon klali. Tzadik bemanosa yichya. The idea is as follows. On the earth side of Rav Kook, we have to know that there was a tzadik Rav Kook that saw already over 100 years ago how far Jews became from the ruchni, the gishmak, the getlichkeit, the godly idea, the national idea and the godly idea. And Rav Kook is, is crying that all that's left is the religious idea, but religion as a shell, like you said, Joey, that's, that's lacking God. And so this poem, I believe, is a very important poem for our generation, as you'll see. Because 
if we understand that what Rav Kook is doing is to try to find wings of the spirit, a rayon kali, a general idea that even a person, because Rav Kook knew who he was talking to, Yosef Chaim Brenner, that you mentioned, the poet, was Aidan Yom Kippur. I mean, he was talking to people at Aidan Yom Kippur. So we don't need a Yom Kippur, but we also do stuff where, you know, we are who we are. So Rav Kook was the rabbi of the prophet of the 20th century to say, you need a rayon klali, and maybe all the details aren't going to be exactly in your life. Maybe all the details are not going to fit exactly. But the rayon klali you have to get, the ideal, the, the idea of God, that has to be part of our life, even if the details perhaps, of course the ultimate is to bring God into all the details. Let's see the poem inside. All existence whispers to me a secret. Chayim yeshli, kach nakach. I have life to offer. Take it, take it. Existence whispers to me, I have life to offer. Take it, take it. Im yeshlecha lev ubelev dam, sheral yeushlo zehamo. If your heart has blood, red blood courses, which the poison of despair has not spoiled. Let me explain what this means. Well, what's Rav Kook saying? That existence is whispering, I have life, take it, take it. If, you're, if you haven't been poisoned. So you have to understand, Rav Cook is looking at the world, that the, 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 the Matsui, not the Ratsui, what actually is, if you remember from the last Fabrang, what actually is happening in the world. Now you all know that when it comes to finding God through Torah and mitzvahs, that there's nothing to talk about. Torah and mitzvahs is how we get to God's essence. But as Jews, from the creation of the world until Mashiach, the difficulty is what's called the gray area, right? Torah mitzvahs we have to do. What's forbidden is forbidden. The gray area of how do you relate to society, culture, and what's actually happening in the world. How do you actually relate? Because you have to understand, Rav Kook was talking to the generation that only about a Rav Kook, we're now 120 years approximately after Rav Kook approximately 100 years after Rav Kook. Rav Kook was 100 years after the Jews left the ghetto. The distance between us and Rav Kook is like the distance between when Jews were still locked up in ghettos, and maybe even less. So most Jews, when Rav Kook was having the struggle with the old Yishuv and Eretz Yisrael, with these old Jews, these type of Jews that, that was trying to perpetuate the shtetl, the Jews that thought that the only way to serve God is if you make the shtetl, if you build up that same culture, we have to have that same culture we had in the shtetl. I, in the shtetl, we were completely removed from reality by force. We have to do that again. And that's what they built up in Yerushalayim. And so Rav Kook said, I want to live in Rechov Yafo. Rav Kook didn't want to live in Meisharim. Rav Kook wanted to live in Rechov Yafo. First he wanted to live in Yafo. And then even when he moved to Jerusalem, he wanted to live with the Jews in Rechov Yafo, not the ones that were perpetuating the past. Like Joey said, to conquer death by living with God now. So existence is, is whispering to, to, to all Jews always. I have life to offer, take it, take it. If you have blood in your veins, if you're Lebedic and you have the poison of despair has not soiled. I mentioned from Kierkegaard that despair is when a person gives up on the fight. When the tension, when the struggle, when the neshmati kruah is too much, I give up in despair. But existence is saying, if you haven't yet given up, if you're not yet 
I know that the world is saying to you that there are so many things I have and I know a lot of them are causing you to be so challenged and thrown in a million places. But if you haven't given into despair, I have life to offer. Go on, Rube, next slide. But if your heart is uncircumcised and beauty holds no spell to you, existence whispers to me. I just want to make sure this is the... Um, Existence whispers to me, away from me, away from I'm forbidden you. I'm forbidden to. So let me explain. But in the laws of nida, in the laws of family purity, so when a woman says to her husband, I'm forbidden to you, halachically she's now tummy. She's impure, she's forbidden. And there are halachas, even if she's not really nida, she just said it. By her saying I'm impure, you have to stay away. But if she says, I'm pure, I'm tohira, I'm pure, you're allowed to believe her. You're completely allowed to believe. And that's one of the, we learn of the Safrala, we learn the din of Eirechad by Yisurim. So Rav Kook says, if your heart is uncircumcised, meaning you're from that generation that still wants to perpetuate the ghetto, and beauty holds no spell to you. I remember I was asked once when I went to speak in Thailand, one of these secular Israelis asked me, why are the Haredim so dirty all the time? How come the Haredi neighborhoods are so messy with so much garbage all over the place? Why are the Haredi, the Haredi, why, why are they always so messy? And I explained it's very simple because they never lived anywhere except the shtetl. They don't know what it means, beauty. If beauty holds no spell to you, in other words, if you ask, am I allowed to be involved in the world? Well, if beauty holds no spell to you, meaning you, 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 the world doesn't interest you in a world, then of course existence says to you, away from me, away, I am forbidden to you. Then Taka, just learn your Gemara. Don't be involved in the world. Just do Torah mitzvahs all the time. Next slide, go on. I can't really see. It's being covered by the pictures. Uh, uh, can you move your pictures over? How do I move the pictures? Grab oh, them and slide them. Yeah, in adin, kol yofi chai, if every gentle sound, every living beauty, was actually a good picture, Ruvain, perfect picture for this part. Lo hadar shiras kodesh, it doesn't awaken to you a holy song. Instead, it awakens you a strange stream of fire. Sur meni sura, harena lecha sura, then the world and existence says to you, stay away from unforbidden. If every sound, living beauty stirs you to impure thoughts, right? He says, tziftzufadin, every gentle sound, but tziftzuf has the connotation of a bird, what has to do with, with things that could, that could tempt a person. If everything, any temptation right away makes an age zarat, then of course, harena lecha sura, you're not allowed to be involved in the world. Of course, if you're a person that the world is going to make you leave the derech, Right, it's going to arouse you this this age zarah, strange fire, and, and Nebuch, you see what's happening in, in some of these neighborhoods where the youth, the next generation, that as soon as they see the world, they go off the derech. It's either Hasidish or fry. There's like no in between. Why? Because because exactly what Rav Cook is saying. They they they're not exposed to beauty. They're not exposed to the beauty of the world, the whispers of existence. So every strange thing is right away a strange fire. It's all Gayushkai. Go on, Ruvain. Next slide. But the Rav Kook goes on to say, V'dor yakum v'chai, Rav Kook is talking about us. V'dor yakum v'chai, a generation will yet arise. Yashir liyofi v'chai, that's also a song, by the way. And we'll sing to beauty and to life. We will sing to beauty and to life. We're impressed by beauty and life. Let's be honest. We're impressed by the world. 
We could try to be unauthentic and say Elam Haza is stupid. We could try to be unauthentic and say that all Goyishkeit is stupid. You could try that, see how, see how it works out for you. But Rav Kook says a generation will come that will draw unending delight from the dew of heaven. Tal HaShemayim, Kabbalistically, dew means the highest level of God. Go on, Ruvain Tal HaShemayim. Umahadar Karmel Vashon Shifat Rezeavayan, from the splendor of the Carmel and the Sharon, the wealth of life's secrets will be heard by the ears of a people alive. A people alive, Lebedic. A people alive, life, whatever your life is. I assure you, your life is nothing like in the shtetl and nothing like in Meisharim, if you're on Zoom with me right now. But Rav Kook says, from the splendor, from the splendor, of the wealth of life's secrets will be heard. Ikshiv Ozen Amchai will hear the secrets of life. And from the Eden of her song and the beauty of her life, a holy light will fill all. And all of existence will murmur lovingly to us, my beloved, I am yours, I am yours. I'm, I'm permitted to you. Rav Kook is saying that in our generation, we the, what is the wings of the spirit? Somehow our generation, the Dor Yakum B'chai, the Lebedika generation, that will be able to sing of life's secrets. What's Rav Kook, what's the life secrets that the Rav Kook is talking about? What, what, is he, what does he mean? So you know Rav Kook was completely influenced by Hasidus, right? Rav Kook was... The, there's a biography, Ben Chastin Masnagdim. Rav Kook, of course, Rav Kook's mother was from Chabad and his father was a Litvak. So Rav Kook was living in that tension of that world. But I want to learn with you one piece from Rapil of Parach that I think is, of course, Rav Kook was very, very, very connected to Chassidus. And I think this piece for Rapil of Parach, because Rav Kook's poem is about our generation, right? Doria kum a Lebedic generation will arise that's going to have the kanfei ruach, the wings of the spirit, the rayom klali, to harmonize. Because, of course, Joey said to us, which, of course, is true, is that we have to know that we have tension, and we're all going to have tension. Until Mashiach comes, we're all going to have tension. But the shaila is, how do I harmonize the tension? Meaning, like Hegel and Taoism and Lahavdil Elif Abdullah, like the Rebbe Rashab explains in Eicholtztu, in the Indian of Sholem, what's Sholem Shleim was to be able to harmonize things. The Rayon Klali is by knowing the secret of Hasidus. And this is a place I found where Pil Paracher says clearly. Happens to be also what I argued with Joey last time, but that's not why I picked the piece. It, 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 it shows clearly. Rafil Paracher shows clearly what the Rayon Klali is that could give us the Kanfei Ruach. Look inside. So this is from the 29th chapter of Shar HaYichud. There's a sefer from the Mittler Rebbe of Dov Berb, the Mittler Rebbe called Nim, the Shar HaYichud. And in the 29th chapter, Hill of Parach has Biurim explaining it. And this is from the 29th chapter. What he's explaining there is a very Kabbalistic concept, which I don't know if I'm not going to get into, but just very quickly, Rapil Parach is, the, 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 the Mittler Rebbe is explaining. We know Kabbalistically there's a concept of Oirois and Kalim, lights and vessels which in very simple English means spirituality and physicality. Spirituality and physicality. Now, in Kabbalah, Kabbalah seems to say that how does the physical come about from the spiritual? There's a downchaining of spiritual worlds. Kabbalah is all about Seder Shtalshuas, that there's worlds, all these billions of levels, and divinity goes light, gets less and less and less and less, until finally... The vessels, the vessels, the garments, the clothing, the, the masks of this world hide God. And so what is Kabbalah about? Taking off the mask, taking off the garment, 
taking off the shell, taking off the kli, and getting to the light. The Mithra Rebbe here in the 29th chapter says that what Hasidus revealed the secret of the Rishimu, which is based not on the Kabbalah of Reb Chaim Vital, but, but Rabbi Stroll Surug that Hasidus is based on, the secret of the Rishimu, and that is what the Mithra Rebbe explains, is that physicality comes from God's essence exactly like spirituality and doesn't need spirituality. Again, I'm going to say that again. This chapter, what the Mithra Rebbe explains, is that the Emun of Hasidus, that the Baal Shemta revealed based on the Kabbalah of Yisrael Srug, is that physicality, that finitude, is as much God as infinity and spirituality. And the way he says, look inside, and it has to do with Elul, let's say where it's, where it's, uh, where it's, um, where it's parentheses, the third line. So the repel part says what the the, Hasid, the, the, the the prophet Micha says, Toshav Yisraeli, return to me. Toshav Yisraeli, God is saying when Yisraeli will return to me. What does it mean, Toshav Yisraeli, return to me? In the early Kabbalists, Tshuva is connected to Bina. If you know in Kabbalah, the Yud Kei Vav Kei, the four letters of God's name, the first hey is Bina, which is meditative, which is consciousness. So essentially, in simple English, the Kabbalah teaches that tshuva is consciousness. Step one, as you go through El Roshan Yom Kippur, get that clear. How do you like them apples? Tshuva is consciousness, bina. Consciousness, tshuva is bina, which the Rabbi Ram Zambin once said that tshuva is kumen tehechera das. Tshuva means, what does it mean tshuva? Return to God. God is everywhere. Elamah, it's the consciousness. It's having the wings of the spirit, the kanfei ruach, the rayon klali, living with the rayon klali, having your soul nishmatim mira. With what? With your bina, with your mind. What should you be conscious of? What should you be conscious of? Look further inside. Repil Parcha says in this again, don't forget, it's 200 years ago. 200 years ago, Repil Parcha is saying. 200 years ago, not before the 60s, when the Mitter Rebbe was still alive. You know what his bainanus is. You know what our job is, Doria Kumbachai, when you're watching Netflix. Or when whatever you're doing, watch you using your iPhone. Or after you do a sin. Because nobody here is going to pretend that we don't sin, we all sin. We're not, a, this is 200 years later. But a pill parcher saying, you know what Hasidus is? You know what tshuva is? You want to do tshuva? I'll tell you how to do tshuva. A pill parcher says, this is the Ikram Mechuban. This is what is bainunus of the last generation before Mashiach. This is 200 years ago. That what? Lahargish, to feel. That hishtalsh is that called pratu prat, that every prat, one blade of grass, don't look at your whole lawn, look at one blade of grass. Look at your couch. Every detail. The problem is that we're looking at God and this big, big God. We have to find the big God in one thing in our life. From atzmus mamish. You don't need the spirituality and the whole hishtalshalos. Rav Kook says yichudim. Rav Yitzhak Ginsburg, I heard that, well, I'll get to that later. The Yehudim not be room, whatever. But what he's saying over a pill paracher 
that even every detail you have to feel is mamish one with God, with mahuse vatsmuse mamish. And in case you would think you want to bring all sorts of pilpum, then it doesn't mean atzmus mamish. So he brings the Rambam. Every mosquito. In Shari Chudamuna, chapter 9, when the, uh, chapter 7, when the Alter Rebbe argues in the Misnagim about Simtum, he mamish brings this Nakuda that every Yitush, every mosquito, mamish comes from Atzmus. So we're saying that our consciousness has to be, and this is a very difficult thing to say, and I wouldn't have the chutzpah to say this in any other day other than Rav Kook's Yerzeit, because Rav Kook lived like this. Our tshuva has to be not necessarily ascending, but bringing God into where you are, as you are. Dor yakum v'chai. A lebedic generation will come and know the secret. We're never going to get in a very high level. I don't know if some of you are still looking to get in high levels. I've been trying, I tried for years. I gave up a long time ago. Now I understand that it's about Yehudim, exactly what Joey said, Yehudim. It's just about unifying with God as you are. Like Rabbi Weimarger always says, our generation is not the generation, is the generation for after, to, to get up after the sin. That's our generation. How to get up after the sin. That's our generation. And to, to sing to God no matter what. Pandemics, three times a day to daven and to learn and to try to connect to Hashem and think of Hashem Rav Kook wants so badly to us to have, to believe in ourselves. The Kanfei Ruach. Don't neglect them. What's the Kanfei Ruach? The Kanfei Ruach is consciousness. Nishmati Mi'ira is consciousness. And it doesn't mean you'll be always in a good mood and it doesn't mean that we want to have Taivas. Sometimes we're in a horrible mood and we have Taivas. But the concept of God has to be, is, before Torah Mitzvahs. Higher than Torah Mitzvahs. Don't forget God is higher than Torah Mitzvahs. Jews are higher than Torah Mitzvahs. A relationship of a Jew with God is higher than Torah Mitzvahs. Torah Mitzvahs is how to reveal it in the world. But before Mashiach comes or Pil Parcher says, the Iker is Beninus is every Prat is Atzmos. God is Mamish in every detail of our reality. Our job is to sing to that. Doria Kum Bechai and the Schus of Rav Kook should stand with us. We should be Zeichem Hashem to always be able to get together and really feel together what it means to be able to sing to the unending beauty of Hashem. Hi. Hi, Livracha. We have one question, and then we'll uh, then uh, Tani will zog it again. Um, so somebody asks: Considering Vayomar Lo Suchal Liros is Panai Kiim Yerenia Haadam Vachai, so how does this fit in with you know that that the growth? He, the, the Lashon that he says is that the growth, that is separation is death, was a relationship with this idea. Ms. Thomas, a question in Simpson, although I want to hear what you guys make out of this. I'm, I'm not sure I get the question. Yeah, oh, can you read the question? Is he asking on the piece from a power Before Abhil, uh, it came in uh, right before when we were still talking about uh, the uh, so could you repeat the question? Um, so he says, considering at the growth that is separation, that is death, what is the relationship with this idea? I'm sorry, the one part I'm not hearing, the growth that is separation? 
that is death. I, I'm one, I think he's wondering, the, along the same lines of the question, does anybody ever move out of this place? And we said, really, well, maybe you don't, because to, to move out of this tension, one, you know, one, one, one dies. Rav Shmuel and I will argue with this. But I have the Lashem Shavu Vachalayma, Rav Kook's Rebbe, open right in front of me because I wanted to share it before. This is his Lashon. Okay, I'm going to read one line. He says as follows. The Kvar Galitsi Daisi, I've already revealed what I feel, that She'eni Chafetz Behezbeirim, I'm not coming to intellectualize. Ki e'ef shar l'shum nivra lahasig ba'atzilus me'uma. It is impossible for any human being to grasp anything by way of hasaga in the way that we know it from Atsilas and above whatsoever. Specifically regarding those revelatory aspects that are revealed in the writings of the Arizal. We can never understand what they are or how they are whatsoever. Like the Pasuk says that no human being can see me and live. And listen to the Lashon of the Leshem, who Rav Cook's community sent to study by him for a month. My belief, and at this point I'm willing to like be Moshe Nefesh on it, that Rav Cook is just a Mam Sheikh Darcho of the Leshem. He says, Azoi, This is not some symptomatic failure on behalf of human failty that doesn't allow us to grasp HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because if that were the case, then it wouldn't have been rev- it wouldn't have been removed from Moshe Rabbeinu. It's an impossibility. It's an ontological impossibility for limitation to grasp the unlimited in a way that is truly and utterly unified on every level. And even though there is absolutely nothing that is removed from the capacity of Hashem, it's a halacha. It's a halacha that that it is an impossibility ontologically for human being to fully grasp everything there is. Now, Shmuel might want to rip my head off right now. And, and I know that he doesn't disagree with me, but he might want to rip my head off right now. But that's all I'll say to that question. It, it's perpetually an act of yearning because that's, that's how Hashem created it. I won't rip your head off, Joy, but in Tanya, in Igeris HaKodesh, I think Chavtes, uh, the Alter Rebbe asked the question, and he also deals with what you're bringing from the Leshem. The Alter Rebbe asked a very simple question. It says that Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the greatest of all prophets, only had a revelation of Nehi Da'atzilus, the last level of Atzilus, which is Netzachod Yisod. The Alter Rebbe asked So Moshe Rabbeinu only got to lower level Atzilus. The Arizal and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai write about Keser and Atik and much higher levels than Moshe Rabbeinu. It's the Alter Rebbe asked the question, how, how could the Arizal and the Zohar write about levels that are higher than Moshe Rabbeinu? And the Altar explains that when the Pesach says, Kiliyarani ha'adam b'chai, then no one will see me as, and live, it literally means see me. Until Mashiach comes, there are different, nobody's here talking about understanding God. I, I can't understand myself, we can understand God. We don't, like the, the morale says, we, none of us understand our own selves. 
We're not talking about actually seeing nobody will see me and live. It's like, I'll tell you, just funny. When, um, when somebody, when they landed on the moon in 1969, right, when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, so in Williamsburg and Satmar, they were saying that it's a lie. They were the first ones to say it's a conspiracy theory. Way before Trump and all the old have the conspiracy theory. They were saying in Williamsburg, the Satmar Island was saying it's a lie that they landed on the moon. Why? Because it says in Kiddush Levana, it says in Kiddush, when we sanctify the moon, just like when I'm dancing, I can't touch you. So you Rav see, Goran wanted to change the, the Lashon of the Bracha. What's that? Rav Goran wanted to change the Lashon of the Bracha. Now, that makes sense that Rav Goran would want to. Fitz yeah, Rav Goran would want to. Okay. But, so, so, but so Satmar said, it, can't be, it says you can't touch the moon. But the Rebbe said, like you, it says when I dance, I can't touch you. It doesn't say if I take a rocket ship, I can't touch you. It says when I dance, I can't touch you. So it says a person can't see me and live with your physical eyes or whatever the perception of God is. But the altar says in Tanya, so Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses saw Atzilus. Whatever it means to see with your physical eye, he saw Netzachot Yisod of Atzilus with his physical eye, like we see physicality. Rashbi and Rarizal didn't see Kesser. They didn't see the highest levels. They understood them. What do we mean understood them? Again, what do we mean understand? Again, I don't understand myself. So understanding there are many levels. So the, I'll, I'll just say over the Vart that, like, you know, that, that the, the, the Kotzker said, or Mendel of Kotzk said, that the, uh, the Apterov said that he was able to see the Ushpizim, right? He was able, the Apterov said he was able to see the Ushpizim. Avar Mitzak Yaakov Moshe on Yosef was able to see them. And the Kotzker said, I'm much higher than the Apterov because I don't see them, but I'm, I believe they're there. Mm-hmm. So Chasidus is not about understanding Atzilus. Of course not. Chabad, Chachma Bina Das, it's not coming to say you could understand God. Dr. Rebbe wasn't an idiot. The Baal Shem Tov wasn't an idiot. They weren't coming to say you could understand God. They're talking about, like I heard from Rabbi Khan all the time, Chabad is taking the Amun of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov and understanding it. What do we mean understanding it? Explaining it as a philosophy. But of course it doesn't mean you could understand God. But Rabbi Hillel is saying, and I don't know if the Leshem would disagree, but I think the Leshem would agree no, with this. Not, not. The, le- the, the Leshem would agree. The, what Rapil is saying, nobody's saying that you could see God in grass. Nobody's saying you know what God looks like. You have Imuna. You know that every prat, you have his Bainanus, you meditate. That no matter where you are, whatever detail you're grabbing onto, hold on to it. Think right now. This cup right now. God, Atzmus, where does everything come from if not Hashem? Only Hashem. We don't believe in Abedizar. There's only one God. God creates every molecule right now. God is creating it. So, of course, it doesn't mean you see it or you understand that. Of course, the chasrushalom, layirami. You can't see it. But emuna, to know it, to know it, meaning to be able to have that emuna, to have a vados, to have a certainty, to live with that emuna. That's what we're talking about. L'chaim. L'chaim, 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 L'chaim. I would add that the, the Kotzke Rebbe also said that the world was created by making ladders and placing them just outside of the reach of man. New Rav Ruben, I want to hear you. Hashem, very shortly. First, we're going to hear from a little bit more from Tani. Tani composed the nigun for tonight, so he's going to share it with us right now. That's oh, wow. why we changed from the uh, changed from the PowerPoints because we're just going to use a little bit of uh, of WhatsApp that he sent me. Is this the first uh, Tani? Is this the first time you're playing it? This is the first time. I wrote it an hour ago. Wow! Ooh, wow! <laughs> so. I don't know. It's uh, I, I saw this. I, I was when Ruben told me about the, the, this thing. I really wanted to. I wanted to do something special, 
Um, but I couldn't, I was looking through my Rav Cook's farm and I, and I, I went to Ish Kodesh and I was looking in the library and I was just like trying to find something that I connected to. And Mamish Hashem loves me so much. And just like, he sent me on, uh, on my friend, Shirley Portnoy, just like randomly was like in some video shoot and he saw this on the wall and he posted it on his Facebook story and I screenshot it. I've had it like bouncing around my head for a few days and right before, right before the, Right before the right before this started, just like oh, got it. So um, I think that the the idea here is very very powerful. It's a super simple, but just I don't know. Like when your cook says things, it's never like you can say the simplest thing, but it's never somehow it's never cliche. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's just it's 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 a gavalt. So um, here we go. Tani, could you explain the words before you sing? Yeah. It? So so the song is the words are Sarah Shekal Ish Yedavi Avin. Every single person has to know and understand deeply. The inside of him, deeply inside of him, there's a candle that's lit. And this, this, it's, a, it's an interesting Lashon. I was thinking about it because I like how it's, it's also, it says that his candle is not like the, like the candle of his friends, but it also says that ain't narrow shallow. Like this candle is not his. It's all, it's, it's like, it's like the candle that we have, what keeps us going. What, 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 what is that this burning part of ourself is, is also, it's alter it's also Hashem. It's like the part of us that's yearning to connect to Hashem is also Hashem. It's not, it's not ours. It's, it's also, um, but the part this this nair is not like is not is not like the, the candle of his friend, and there's no person that does not have this candle. Everyone has it. Every single person has this burning, this burning, this burning desire, and then this burning essence that's just trying to grow higher. And all the all the metaphors that the candle represents, um, it, it's all it's all here. Um, so here we go.
Beautiful. 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 Can I just, if I may? You may. Actually, Tani, you want to talk? No, I got nothing. So I was speaking about yesterday, by Shal Shudas, the idea of edus, right, testimony. The Parsha Shoftim is all about te- a lot of things, the laws of testimony. And of course, all of us are Adam, Shema Yisrael. When you say the Shema, which two letters are big? The Ayin and the Dalit. Eid, where we testify, we're all witnesses, right? So he told me, Rabbi Galif, that Rabbi Goldvich used to say that if you look in the Gemara, when the Gemara, there's a law, there's a halacha, that when two witnesses, you know, according to halacha, you, you have to interrogate the witnesses. And each one is interrogated separately. So that, so that we know that their story, that they're not in whatever. And the way that the halacha is, if they both say exactly the same thing word for word, then the testimony is not kosher. Because you know they're lying, because they're reading a script. And the words the Gemara says, nimtsu mechuvan. And the only way it's kosher edus, if the two witnesses, that their words, nimtsu mechuvanim, that they're similar, but not exactly the same. If two people say word for word exactly the same, that's not testimony, it's not real. It has to be similar, but not the same words. So if Goldvich said that to testify, say Shema Yisrael and be a witness for God, like you said, Tani, you have to know that everyone has their own candle. Nobody has the same candle. If you, if you try to shine a candle that somebody else has, that's not testimony. You have to testify that you as you are testified, Hashem. Mm. It's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. a clean eye. A clean eye. It's such MS. It's such MS. My gosh. It, with everybody's mechila, since this is a forbringing, if Tani could zog noch a nigan. I love that the nigan was chosen for me. Ah, well, yeah, we were we massaging these nigan a little bit. Um, we'll leave you the, 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 la- the anxiety producing one later. <laughs> <laughs> That's a trip. Okay. Oh. Very good. That was a trip. Ah. This one. 
the sweet singer of tshuva, the singer of repentance, have you been born? Oh my gosh. Yeah, this the, the translation's right here, so you can read it. This is a, it's one of the best. When I first heard this nigger, I listened to it also on repeat for like an hour and a half and just cried. It, it hits me into a deep place. Um, enough said, enough said, as they say. So, I want to share a piece that means a lot to me from the uh, from the Yerusha Kodesh. And you'll you'll pardon me if I vacillate. It's hard for me not to read you know, Rav Kook in Ivrit as opposed to the Lushan Kodesh. And I, 
I'm in, I'm in exile. It's the beginning of Sefer Yechezkel. Yechezkel, Nafi said, I stood there on the river far and I, I'm in, I was in the exile. And this statement, the statement of Rav Kook, Rav Kook took this pasuk, and then from there, he began to he began to riff, he began to think, he began to spin poetically. Ha'aniya ha'pnimi ha'atzmi shayachid shatzibor. I am in exile. My I, myself, the essential I, is in exile. And the eye of the, the, the person, the individual, and the eye of the community. It doesn't shine through like the Neshama Hamira. It doesn't shine through the person in the way that it should. Only in accordance with the, the Kedusha and the Tara that they have. Only the amount of strength of supernal strength, of great strength that a person can muster. A safuga, which is drenched from the holy light, the glow of above that shines, that burns within him. What does this mean? Let's continue. We've gotten lost. The problem is, is that so long as that, that we, we are not who we are, who are we need, who we need to be, as long as we lose ourselves within ourselves, the eye doesn't shine out. That doesn't shine as it needs to. And Rav Kook will continue to explain this. We've missed the points. We've gotten lost with our forefathers. I know I'm, that's also touching on a Machlokas from the last Rebrengen as well. Does it mean, what does it mean? The sin of first man, he became a stranger to himself. Because he turned to that external voice of the of the snake, is echoed in the Nefesh Chaim, and he lost himself. Not in a good way. He lost himself. He could not answer properly, clearly. Where are, where are you? Where were you? What happened to you? Where are you, Adam? And he couldn't answer. If we look at the Tanakh, if we look at the Tanakh and Hashem asks Adam, where are you? He opens the Pisgon Peh. As the, as the Yishmetzarebbe say, that there are people who God asks them a question. He's not asking them a question because he wants their creative expression. He's opening them a Pesach of Tshuva. And uh, they stumble on it. Uh, they get the ball and they drop it in the end zone. He didn't know how to answer Kedushbarucho's question of Ayekah because he didn't know. He himself didn't know. And I, uh, I chose these pictures on purpose. All the pictures that you've seen tonight, I've chosen on purpose. Some of them really hit the mark, and some they're nice. And we saw that he got lost inside of himself. Kedushbarucho asked Adam Harishon, "Where are you?" And he said, "I don't know." But he couldn't. He tried to save face. The words of Billy Joel, you had to be a big shot. He couldn't answer the question. Tesh Barclay says, where are you? I'm looking for Adam and all I see is the snake. Where are you? Where's your internal voice? We, you've lost it. 
and the sin continues, the biggest problem in the world continues. What happens is that because you will go after well, you go after foreign gods, Elohim Achirim. Elohim Achirim means gods that are others, gods that are strange to you. They're not you. He went after other purposes. You got lost by Elohim Achirim, by other gods, gods of otherness, gods of alienation, gods of distance. Your service and your bowing to the other voices, to voices outside of yourself, to a God who isn't you. This isn't you, Adam. Israel, this isn't you. You've estranged yourself by making yourself strange, by making yourself an other. You've departed from who you can be. You are exiled from yourself. The biggest estrangement is from yourself, Lufkuk says. And that you, when you are in exile, the biggest part of you being in exile is because you are in exile from yourself. Like the Tzemach would say, make this Eretz Yisrael, find yourself here. And then the opposite, as Yecheskel and is standing on the riverbanks in Babylonia and saying, I am in exile. I am in exile, and even deeper, I am in exile. I am in exile. The I has gotten lost in exile. So I'm in exile because I'm in exile. Both the internal and the geographical and the existential. It's all lost because I'm lost. I've lost myself. I've gotten lost. And then we move away from the prat. We move away from the, the Yisrael, and then we speak to the creation as a whole. In the same way, the same way that we have lost ourselves, is the same way as that the, the world has lost its way as well. Even that the trees bear fruit that are not themselves, that the fruit and the tree are separate, that purpose, that the ways, the means are separated from themselves. This separation is also an indication of the exile, the loss, the exile from oneselfhood. If the process of the tree of, the, of growing is different from the fruit that amounts from it, then we know that something's gone off. Why? Because I'm looking outside as opposed to inside. I'm looking out of myself because all the answers in the world, like Rabbi Nachman's famous story about the Jew who goes to Vienna looking for the treasure only to find that the treasure was all the way back under his oven at home. I'm looking out as opposed to looking in. I think someone else is going to give me the answers to my questions, but the truth is, is that my questions rest within me. The answer to the greatest questions of life are inside of me. But what happens is the tree looks outside of it and says, okay, uh, you know, I'm a tree. I'm made of wood, but I'm going to give sweet fruit. Something got lost over there. Something got lost. And similarly, Kitragahayareh, what happened? The moon looked outside of itself again and said, wait a minute, right? The moon is the one who started up with the sun. The moon said, hey, God, wait a minute. We have two, uh, two, uh, two luminaries. 
one of us is going to have to like do something because how do two kings rule with one crown? The second, the second the moon started to look at like, how are we going? How are they going to do this on the outside? Is the moment it lost itself, and it only became a reflection of who it could be. And this cycle, unfortunately, because we see it's a primordial cycle, because we see that this is part and parcel of my celebrations. We see because we see this is part and parcel of creation. That everything in the creation and the way that the creation is told, my celebrations, is then telling us rules for how the world works. We sit there and we look and we see the beginning chapters of Bracious and we think, oh, is that a what is that? A fable, Khalila? What's it telling us? It's telling us the blueprints of all of our lives. So you see creation has gone askew. It's gone off of the tracks. Both the trees and the moon is telling us that something in the world has gone off rails because of this constant need to look outside. We see that this is a theme without, throughout modern advertising culture. With, without credit, Coca-Cola is saying, without me, you're ugly and unattractive. But if you have my product, then, then you, you will be desirable. Then you'll be nice looking. We all know that it's the opposite. Drink too much Coca-Cola and you won't be so nice looking. But so we have the answer. You, you, you have a problem, we have the answer. Look outside. And the problem with all of creation is that you're not looking inside of yourself. You're not looking towards yourself. You're not seeking what's inside. Everyone's losing themselves. Everyone's thinking that I don't have it. Everyone's missing what they're missing themselves and looking for the answers, looking for love, as it were, in all the wrong places. Not realizing that it's inside of myself. I think the answer is elsewhere, but the answer is really within me. Then what happens by and similarly the educators come and they come and say, you know what, what's wrong with you? The style of the, the educators of the time, you know what, you're, you know, listen to me because you're an idiot. Put your finger on the Gemara, you have nothing to say. Don't even speak up. You have nothing to say. There's nothing, you know, just listen. And the whole of Chinuch is taking you away from yourself, these learned people. It's interesting to, to make the connection that Rav Kook in his Pitgam for, for Chodesh Tammuz says, mm-hmm. Rav Kook says, from between the, the straits, from the Bein HaMitzarim, the nation will redeem by teachers who don't need to schmitz people who don't need to hit people to make their point. They don't need to take the focus away from, from you. The Mechanic has the Rebbe from Piazetzna, we've mentioned, uh, our Rebbe of Weinberger, yeah. pointing us towards the Rebbe of Piazetzna. It says the Mechanic is supposed to be the one who's polishing the jewels, polishing you, polishing you so that you shine, not casting the attention on themselves, not to be the sage on the stage, but to be the guide on the side, to polish you to show you who you are, not to try to pull you away from, from you. But what happens is, they want to be, 
They want you to forget yourself. Ah, you don't know anything. What do you know about you? As opposed to saying, what do you have to say? They're saying, you have nothing to say to me. Nothing that you have to say has value. They place straw on the fire. They try to quench the thirst of people who are seeking internality. We only have to look in, in Rav Kof's Hador, where he's saying, what's the problem with uh, this generation, as, as we've alluded to in the, in, over the course of Fabrengen, the people who are searching so much for Panemius, Rav Kof is crying, show, show them Panemius. And Panemius is, wants to reveal inside of you what's so deep. Wants to reveal with it, with inside of you the treasures inside of yourself. And said, look away, inside of you, there's, there's nothing to see here, nothing to see. So the, the thirst is quenched with vinegar, as we all know, vinegar does not quench thirst at all. It only raises the fire, the fire of the pain of the person feeling, feeling alienated from themselves and feeling alienated from Yiddishkeit, like he says again in, in Hador. The problem with the youth today is that they're not... They're, they're told that Yiddishkeit doesn't have an answer for them. Why? I want to say Pilpul and Rukhaim. Of course, Rukhaim is a, it's life. But if it's, if it's not being focused to you to, to expand your kach, your kach, as Rufreifeld would say, you know what the biggest chenach is? The chenach is to teach each person that they also have a kepala. You also have a, have a kepala. You have what to say. Freifeld said he sat there going over a tire that he heard from his Rebbe and he had brilliant friends and a brilliant Rebbe, Rav Hutner, you know, Rav Elia and all the chaver there. And he said that I sat there in, in this base midrash by myself and all of a sudden I realized I have what to say also. I have something to say also. There's something inside of me which is kedai to stay. But so long as the Mechamachim is trying to take the focus off of you trying to polish you, or showing you that you have what to save, you have something treasure, a treasure inside of you. They're only feeding the fire with, with straw, only quenching your thirst with vinegar. We fatten the minds as our hearts with and fatten them with all the things outside of you. As we know, there's a story about the Valtanya, the Rebbe, that somebody came to him, and in one pocket he had the Shariyairah, Right, they had the, the, the Alter Rebbe, they had the, oh, he could have had the Shara Ero. He had, he had a Tanya in one pocket, and whatever a safer he had in his other pocket. And, and he came to the Alter Rebbe, and he said, well, I learned this, and I learned that, and I do this, and I do that. I, I, I'm misboining on this, I'm misboining on that. I think about this, I think about that. Alter Rebbe looked at him and he said, I've heard enough of what I've what you think about God. But what do you think about you? He got passed out. Nobody ever asked him that before. It's in Rav Zevin's Sipuri uh, Chasidim, by the way. But as long as the eye is centered on everything outside of you, that none of this is no gaya to you. None of this makes a difference to you. It's just you just need to know this. But what does it have to speak to you? It doesn't speak to you. Oh, who said it had anything to do with you? The eye for, proceeds and is forgotten. They, and this is the most scary thing in the world. Listen, Chevra, this is the biggest part of the exile. And since there is no I, 
there's no him. And how much more so there's no you. This is the scariest thing because if there's no me, so then there's that I have no reference point then to think about anything else in the world. There's no him, no him with the lowercase, no him in the capital, whether the third person, whether that that I speak at, if there's no me, so what's the point of serving a God, a God who is distant? Or for that matter, what's there to, to deal with anything in the world of a third person? I have no points to address. I'm floating in space because if there's no me, I have no way to look at anything in the world. And then also, then there's no you. There's no way for me to express in the nochach, to have a, an idea of presence, to have a, a sense of intimacy with myself, with creation, with anything. If there's no I, then I can't relate to you because there's no I. If the I has been beaten out of you, has been starved out of you, then how am I supposed to relate to that? How can you relate to anything? You can't relate to anyone. You can't relate to anything. You can't relate to God. Rav Dov Zinger, in a Sefer, is trying to return that presence. So if you ask what the most important word in the Sefer, in that Sefer is, it's Ata. It's you. Because once you can return to the fact that I'm pointing to you, that I am pointing to you, you can return to the sense of I. And what does the relationship between me and you mean? And Ravdov said, you know, in his, in his work on marriage counseling, he also saw a work in tefillah. Because a person loses their context of talking to somebody, and how much more so they lose the context of talking to God. Because you can't relate to anyone, to anything. Finally, this is the cure. This is the most magnificent thing of it all. Siach is called the breath of our souls. Zehu Gvuraso, Hadar Godlo. This is the biggest praise that I can give, that it's an Echa, it's sequestered over there, it's hidden Mashiach being born on Tisha B'Av. Mashiach's essence is found on Tisha B'Av. It's in the, the, the Torah of Yirmiyahu and Navi. Mashiach, Ruach Apenu Mashiach Hashem, Mashiach is the breath of our, of our nostrils. It's our breath of life. Einenu mi it's nothing outside of Ruach Apenu, who is the breath of our of our of our of our lungs, breath of our noses. Because the answer to all these questions is found within you. Mashiach, Mashiach is a breath of fresh air, and it's so familiar because it's in your. It, it, it's so familiar to us. It's the breath of our nose. It's the breath of our lungs, as we'd say in English. So then he says, "We will search for Hashem." Hashem our God and David our King, Hashem el tuvo nifached that ani shalanu nivakesh. We will find the I together, you, me, all of us together, chevra, that we're here together celebrating Rav Kook's life, celebrating Rav Kook's Torah. That we will search for the I together. We will search. We will find the the. We will find the torn soul. We will find the soul that glows. We will find it together. We will we will learn together how to do this. We will find ourselves. We will remove ourselves from Galas. Right? As the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, he's right here, just open your eyes. Why? Because it's not so far away from you. Remove from yourself all foreign, foreign gods, all gods of foreignness. Remove 
all foreigners, all strangers. I am Hashem, your God. I will take you out of the Mitzrayim so that I will be your God. Because once you recognize you, you can recognize me. We can be together. We can be together. At this piece, that to lose ourselves and to find ourselves. At Hashem Elokeinu Nevakesh, at David Malkinu Nevakesh, we'll find, find ourselves, we'll find Hashem. And this is what, as we're working towards from Elul, we're, we're striving and striving to get to that moment of unbelievable Yichud of Shemini Atzeres, and of course, going through the day of Hoshana Rabbah, Aniva Hu, right? I, uh, I and Him. If I can't find it, it's Hillel Azakin gave us the key to understanding that mysterious passage in, uh, in, in the Hoshainas. Because if I'm here, then everybody's here. Because otherwise, otherwise you're in exile. But if you can find yourself, and as our, our, our unbelievable friend, Dr. Benji, tells us, right, to, to redeem each moment, right, is to find the I in each moment, to find a in each moment, and we find ourselves in each moment. Because when we can attend to being here now, right, is to live in the present and to live in the presence. Then we will find Hashem, and we will find the Melech, and we will find Mashiach, because he's the breath of our, no, our nostrils. It's a fantastic teaching from a book that I want to share you, with you. Thank you so much. Um, if any of the Chaverim want to, want to comment or reflect, um, Shmuel, enjoy. Okay, so... Uh, I, I, I just, just quickly, a, a couple of, just... The, the idea that Rav Cook, I, I just want to mention that it, it's so forward thinking. I, I just hope everyone understands there is no other rabbi in Jewish literature that writes like Rav Cook, the chlal. And not only the poetic, the kalim, the vessels, we were speaking before about lights and vessels, not just the vessels, the poetic words, but the content, the R, the light. I mean, the idea to seek oneself was, was not, it, it, you don't find anything like that in Jewish literature before. And, and Rav Kook saw that the individualism that was part of the modern era, again, like everything in Rav Kook's, the way Rav Kook looked at everything. Rav Kook, you know, Betzal Naor says beautifully in, in uh, one of his uh, footnotes in Orot, if you remember, and maybe this, I don't know if, if uh, a good way to maybe end, the end of Gemar Makis, if you remember, where, where we just, we're still in the seven weeks of consolation. And the Gemar at the end of Makis says, that uh, Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Elizabeth and Azariah and I think Rabbi Tarf and Rabbi Shul were walking near Harabais, near the Temple Mount. And all of a sudden they see from the place where the Holy, the Kedush Kadosh and the Holy of Holies, they see a fox, animals coming out from that same place on Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. And all the other rabbis started crying. Rabbi Gamliel, they all started weeping that the, the foxes were going in the place of the Holy of Holies. And Rabbi Akiva started laughing. Rabbi Akiva started laughing. And they said to him, Akiva, why are you laughing? And he said to them, why are you crying? He's Jewish. He answered a question with a question. So they said, a place that it says that only the kind God could go, now foxes are going there, we shouldn't cry. So Rabbi Akiva said, that's why I'm laughing. It's so bad. Now I know for sure the one prophet says there's going to be tziyayin tzadatecharish, that Zion will be, will be plowed like a field. And another prophet says that all oh, that children will once again, that the redemption will come. Now that I see this prophecy was fulfilled, I know for sure Mashiach is going to come. I see how bad it got, now I know Mashiach is going to come. Which is, by the way, what they said after the Holocaust, which just shows how much it sucks right now. But whatever, we'll leave that for now. But what I want to say 
is that if you see, if you understand, <clears throat> Rev Cook knew how to look at everything that seemed to be negative and showed the beauty and the godliness in it. Like Rapil Pirates just said, in every prat to see that it's one with Hashem. And one of the things that Rav Cook did that with is like Rav Ruvain just read this piece is individualism. Individualism, most people will say, is a contradiction to, to God and to religion. Individualism is a contradiction to Hashem. But Mamish, this piece Rav Cook is saying, and, he, and he's talking at the same time that the, the existentialists were talking, that individualism is the only way to be redeemed, to be subjective. How does Kierkegaard say subjectivity is truth? that it's your paninius, has to be your ani, your you. And really, you know, Ruben, I don't know if you know that, that the song that Tani sang before, the one that the, the niggin from tonight, how everyone has their own candle, is Mamash this Nakuda, that everyone has their own edus, everyone has their own testimony, everyone has their eye, that we all have to find God inside of us. We all have to know what does it mean to connect to Hashem on a, on a personal level. That's the Aveda now, and that's Mashiach. Oh, to find the eye. Find the eye. Okay, Satani, so are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so let's do this. Okay, here we go. Here, um, I guess a, a word uh, of introduction. Our, our dear friend, uh, our dear friend, Devil Weinberg, brought this nigga into the Nazar's introduction to Aris Akaidish. That, that, uh, that what happens that we all of the writings of Rav Kook that we have, Rav Kook had two types of writings. His writings that he meant for publication and writings that were the pouring out of his soul into journals, the Kvatsim, the Pinkasim. And at one point, the Nazar, David Cohen, a Talmud of his, asked Rav Kook, does the Rav have a, have a system? And then Rav Kook said, surely. And he handed him the Shemona Kvatsim, eight uh, essential notebooks of his, and said, here, figure it out. And, <laughs> and he handed him these eight notebooks, and from them he, he forged the, uh, uh, the Aras HaKadosh. And Rav David, Rav David Cohen, the Nazir, who deserves a bringing in his own right, wrote how Rav Cook changed his life by meeting with him. Then he was a professor in university, and he was, a fr- he was from, he was a professor in university, he had big questions about the world, about Machshava, Kabbalah, and he, he went to go speak to Rav Kook, and he, he went to Rav Kook, he pawned his, uh, he pawned his, uh, his watch, which is, a, I, I don't have a watch, but I guess it was a big deal, to, to get to, to Rav Kook, who was in exile because of the, the world war, so he went to go to, to go speak with Rav Cook and he ended up speaking to Rav Cook about Greek, uh, Greek tragedies. And after two or three hours, he said to himself, oh my gosh, I wasted all this time. What, I could have spoken about the tragedies in, in university. Why did I do that? But it was so late, he couldn't go back. And he, he went to sleep downstairs from, from Rav Cook. He didn't know what to make of himself. He didn't know what to make of his life. And he writes this in the introduction to Arot, Arot HaKodesh, and then all of a sudden, he's up all night wondering what's going to be with me, what's going to be with my life. And all of a sudden, then he heard the Kohen Gadol, he heard Rav Kook stand up and start walking around and begin his davening at, at uh, Vasikin, 
as the, as the sun begins to rise. And he hears Rafuk recite the Parsha of the Akedah. And all of a sudden, he found himself a changed man. And whatever would happen, he would stick to Rafuk like glue for the rest of his life. So David Weinberg wrote this nigun about how the, the Nazar found his Rebbe. And it's a beautiful nigun, and it's a little bit how we all find Rav Cook as, a, as, a, as our teacher, as our Rebbe. And uh, I, I asked Tani if he would, uh, if he would uh, sing this nigun with us, and he so graciously agreed. Um, so it's a big schuss to, to, to introduce this nigun. And uh, yes, please, Tani, tell us what it's like to, to have Rav Cook as our Rebbe. Not, I think this says everything it needs to say. It's like reading this is like reading is like remember, brings me to remember my own first time learning of Cook and the feeling of just like, oh my gosh, I finally found someone who gets me on such a deep level that no one else does, and he doesn't he didn't even know me, but like he did, and it's it's everything. So. <sighs>
Willis Clesley, right. Ruben, and Rashmulan of Joey. It's really, really been unbelievable. Wow. Again, it was wonderful, wonderful. Just one, uh, one other important uh, note. Um, Kodesh Press, the publisher of some of Vital Noah's books in honor of Cook's Yard site, has created a special code for anyone who wants to order when God becomes history or the tales of Rabbi Barbarachana, one of Rav Cook's earliest farm, um, about uh, the, the, the mystical tales of Rabbi Barbarachana. Type in uh, uh, Rav Cook into the, your order. It'll be 60, um, 20% off, $60 or more. And orders over $100, get a copy of Hashem is My Life. Also a shameless plug. They also uh, have the uh, Safer, what's it called? The, the Safer Pathways to the Heart on Ishbit Zin. Shameless plug of mine. So get you can get two of uh, of Noor's Safer and, and Pathways to the Heart might will score you. Hashem is my light, a wonderful Safer, safer on Elul. Thank you so much for Shmuel, of Joey, Tani, so much for joining us. It's really been a, a really, really great, uh, really, really great for bringing in the, the, the the Kohen Gadol, Hashem should, should, should be a Melis Yosher for all of us as he was in his life. So he is in, in, in his greater life. It can be Gepalt for us. Right. Um, and it's Hashem. It's Hashem. We should be, we should be Zoycha to see him very, very soon serving in the rebuilt place of Megdash. And in his chus that we got together for Svabrengen, we should all together ask that Rav Kook should go to the Rebbeinah and bring Mashiach. Amen. I will make a recording available as long as it's okay with all the presenters. I'll check in with them and then post it if it's okay. Good to go with me. Shkoyach, Tani. The musical results. Shkoyach, everyone. Be well.